I am, I am relatively nervous at the moment. And the reason that I'm, I'm rather nervous is because God's doing something here this morning. And I don't want to get in the way. So I'm going to pray a little bit first, and then we're going to get into it. And we'll just let God do something spectacular. Father, we just thank you so much, God. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come, Father. I just ask that you come and move as you wish to move, Father. That your kingdom comes here this morning, God. Father, that you take away anything that we may get in the way, Father. That you drop anything that's not of you, Lord God. Just come this morning, Lord God, and continue to move as you want to move, Father. We just invite you, Lord, to do whatever you want to do here this morning, Father. In your wonderful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Alrighty. If you're feeling a little bit odd, if you've, if it's a little bit, if this is your first time or you're a little bit nervous, it's okay. We're a bit weird as Christians, but it's, it's incredible what Maddie was just singing that there's such a freedom, you know, there's such a, an amazing opportunity to be free and to be in a place where we're not held back. It's been this week in social media, I'm not sure if you've been on social media, but it's been terribly, terribly thick and, um, to a point where it's, it was frustrating to look at anything social media. And it's so amazing to come in, in into a place like this and just be able to feel so free. So there's something that I, I want to try and, and I feel God's telling us to give this morning, and that's to be able to take that, that freedom and that feeling and take it home and live with it every day. I prepared another preach that I was going to preach. Um, and when Mao preached last week, I was sitting there listening and, and God scrapped it. And we started again. And I want to take what Mal was talking about last week and I want to go a little bit deeper. Because Mal said something that I think is so permeant in the church right now. He talked about consumerism in the church. and He talked about a, a church that's, that's built unto itself. And he said something last week that he said that conflicting priorities is the highest cause of stress. And you know, when we live out of a place of stress, when we come from a place that we, we just can't move on with our life, it is such a terribly frightening place to be. Stress is one of the most crippling things that we can live with. And it was so interesting that he talked about conflicting priorities because God showed me a, a message on focus. And he showed me a message on focus when I was um, new into the faith. So I just want to give a quick little background testimony. I grew up in a split family. My parents split when I was very young. And my dad continued to go to church, but my mum didn't. So I lived between two homes that were, one was built in faith and one was built in a confusion of faith. My mum did go to the church and she was big in the church until her and my dad split and the church burnt her. So she left and she refused to go back. In living in that place, I, I came out of a, I was, I was brought up in a, in a home that was of conflicting priorities. There was a, a picture that was drawn that one was important to focus on Christ and the other was important to find your own way. So I came to a place where I had to decide who I was on my own back. I had to decide where did I want to put my, my feet. So I started in the church. I, I took up going to church. I was in youth groups. I was in all these things. But I kept seeing fake people. And I kept seeing fake, just fake. And it, it got to me where to a place where I was so frustrated that I decided to look elsewhere. And I had, is that what I'm saying? You can't move, mate. So I got to a place where I decided that I had to choose one of these paths. So I stayed in the church, but 
I started to, to go out with my mates that I was at school with and, and start to, to mold through this world that we were living in, find out where the reality was. So I, I was going out with my friends and we were drinking and partying and, and doing all the things that you do. But something crippled me while I was out. And it was that we went to um, a pub or a club one night and my friends were incredibly hammered. And I was the soberest of, of the group. And a very close friend of mine left the club and he was sitting in the gutter. And I walked out to see my friend because everyone said, I was always the uh, level head, the person who would, would talk to people and, and the, uh, the voice to listen, I guess. So my friend mates came up to me and said, you've got to go out and, and find your friend. He's, he's struggling. So I went outside and I found my mate. And he was at a point where he wasn't going to come up. He was... He was in the, the pits, the absolute. So we talked through it. I ended up carrying him home, which was incredible in itself. I put him to bed and I went into my room and I wrote out a list of things that he was saying. Because I thought, in the morning, we need to deal with this thing. This guy is hurting. So we woke up in the morning and I, I went and knocked on his door to, to chat about what we had talked about. And he said to me, he's like, no, there's nothing wrong. And I said, but mate, last night we spoke about it. And he goes, oh, no, that's not, that wasn't me. I walked away and I thought, last night, this guy was, was broken. So I continued on and, and we continued partying and it, and it happened time in and time out, guys that I was talking to. And everything that we were saying as, as mates, when we went out, everything changed. And I couldn't stand it. So I went back into my room. I remember it was the second time, the second day I was at Crossing Point. And we'd gone out the night before and I went home and I said to God, if you want, if you want me to follow you, show me that you're real because I can't see it anywhere. And I was lost because I was in a place where I had seen no reality in the church and I had now seen no reality in the world. So I was lost. So I went, I went to church that day, long story short, but I had no food in the cupboard and I had one last tin of beans left. And I said to God, if you want me to, to believe in you, show me that you're real. So I went to church and after church, Jenny came up to me and gave me an envelope with my name on it. And in the envelope was $50. And I broke down and cried. I lost the plot. I went to, that afternoon, I went to the shops with, with a buddy. And we bought groceries. And we filled the back of my car. And as we're unloading the groceries into, because I went around the shop with a calculator. And as we unloaded the groceries, my mate turned to me. He goes, Ben, you can't buy this much groceries for $50. I was like, well, we just did. And I had the receipt there. And the receipt was bananas. It, it didn't make any sense. But what I saw then was God was saying to me, here's your reality. Your reality is not on the building of the church and it's not in the world. Your reality is on me. So he started drawing me this picture of a focus, which is what I want to speak about this morning. He drew a picture of a, a, a focus that has to be had every minute of every day that we live. That we have to check our focus. Do I have to have that water? That we have, to, we have to understand where our focus is all the time. So he showed me three, three things that happened in the Bible that highlighted this focus. Two that were detrimental to the human race and one that evidently brought it back. So I want to explain the why before I begin to get into to the how. But the why, the first thing, was the three areas. The first one was in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve were in the garden with God. So the, the focus that Adam and Eve had in the garden was on God. 
because they walked with him every day. They were in the cool of the day with him. They knew who he was. They knew his heart. They knew who he was. Their focus wholeheartedly was on God. But then we read in, in somewhere in Genesis 3, a little bit later, where they lose that focus because the serpent comes along and he removes the focus from God and he brings it onto themselves and onto him. From that, we have the fall, which we all know about. and We all know where that led. The second one that we have is the Israelites. When Moses brings the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're sitting at the, at the bottom of Mount Sinai in Exodus 20 to 32. And Moses goes up to be with God, firstly. He comes down and he says to the Israelites, come with me. But because they are so afraid, they refuse to go up to the top of the mountain. You see, the focus, Moses had the focus on God. Come, come and be with the Father. Let me show you his heart. But the Israelites couldn't remove their focus from the fear that they had felt. They couldn't remove their focus from the fact that they had just walked through the desert and they were were suffering, which they thought they were suffering. So they refused to go to the top. So they say to Moses, bring down what God's saying. We don't need to talk to him. Bring down what he has. When Moses comes back down, what, what do they build? Golden calf. You see, because they're focused, they have a focus on God. When Moses is talking about, we need to go to the top to see the Father. And they remove that focus and they go, no, we need to do what we need to do. So can you build us a calf? See, how often, and this rattled me, how often do we have the opportunity to climb the mountain to see God, but we refuse and we stay at the bottom of the mountain? Regardless of whether there's a calf there or not, the calf represented nothing. And they worked that out when, when Moses came down the mountain and he brought with them the law because they were unable to shift their focus. So you see, the law was a, a, a way to keep their focus on God. I put it to you that the law wouldn't have been there had they gone up the mountain. So we stay so often at the bottom of the mountain trying to work ourselves out and God's going, come, come, come. I've got something for you, but you don't want to come and get it. You see, the focus remains on God. The third focus we have is the most important one of all. Because the Father realizes that we couldn't do it on our own, that our focus never shifted. Even after the ark, our focus couldn't shift. We couldn't, as humans, we were unable to remove our focus off ourselves. So God sends Christ. I want to challenge you to go and go through your Bible and follow Jesus. Look at Jesus throughout the Bible. The whole time, where is his focus? What is the one thing Jesus said he came to do? Come to do my father's business. So you see, the, the reality that, that Christ had was always on the father. He never ever shifted from that. Because as soon as he shifted, his job would have changed. Right down to in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is on his knees and he's, and he's sweating blood. We've all heard the science behind that. And Jesus says, Father, take this cup from me. Jesus could have not gone to the cross. He could have walked away, but he knew that he couldn't because he's, that wasn't his business. His business was the Father's business. His focus, even right there at that pain where he says, take the cup from me, his, his focus was the Father. 
just for a second, think how many of us, myself included, would have said, God, if you don't take this cup, I'm throwing it and running. But that's because our focus, we, we, our whole Christian life is to work our focus out on Christ. Because when our focus is on Christ, the rest of the things will fall into place. You know, when it says that all these things will be added unto you is, is I'm not even sure what that is. Um, Matthew 6.33, there you go. But it's talking about the fact of, if you just focus, if you just work on getting your focus right, the rest will work itself out. You see, Jesus, it fascinates me how long Jesus spent out in the wilderness on his own. You know, that he spent so much time on his own, we would look at that now and go, well, why isn't he with people? You know, why isn't he a pastor that's running around from person to person? Because Jesus understood, just know my, just know my Father. Know his direction, and when I know that, I can just do the little bits that he asked me to do. Jesus' whole ministry points toward his relationship with the Father. Go with me to Colossians 3, if you can, if you have a Bible. If not, I'll read it. I'll read it anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> but it is always, I'm a, I'm a visual learner, so I like being able to, to read. Jess will say to me, can you, can you proof read this thing for me? And she'll read it to me. I'm like, I just can't. Just let me. I need to be able to see the words on the page because it makes sense to me. If you're a listener, that's cool. If, if not, you need to work out how you learn and then learn like that. Colossians 3, let's go there. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now, I'm sure for so long we've heard this verse, it gets, it gets used quite a bit. But the issue that I have when, when people preach this verse is that they don't show us how to put our minds on the things of above. That as Christians, I think for so, so often we, we fail to give people the tools as to how to actually focus on God. It's, a, it's a, an airy-fairy thing to say, go and focus on God. And people are standing there going, well, I thought I was. But I think this verse when you begin to understand how it's written, it's actually explaining the very how to focus on God. So take, for example, the, the, the word seek that's there, seek the things that are above. That, that Greek word, the word that, that they use there for seek, is specifically by Hebraism to worship God. So that seek, what it's, when it's saying to seek God, is actually to worship God. So then we get this picture of, okay, so to seek to seek something when we understand it in the, in the English language is to go and find it. But this, this Greek word is actually talking more about the fact that we're worshipping God. You know, that there is a seek in that, but in that there's a, a find out who he is and what he's saying to us. It's beyond just go, okay, I found God. Because I've heard people say that this seek is to become a Christian. But it's more than that. It's more than just that salvation. There's a there's an activation of constantly seeking the Father, constantly worshipping the Father to find out what His plan is and what His purpose is. That worship, that constant worship, 
is our focus. To constantly be seeking the Father. It also says um, to desire, to endeavor, to inquire, to require. You know that this this in, endeavor just draws such an amazing picture of to go, go after it all the time. That in actual fact, we never actually will find the fullness of God because it's just too much for us. But Christ always was seeking. When we, take, when we take how long Christ was here on earth with us and how much of his ministry was seeking the Father, that in his human form, in his man form, he had to know who his Father was and he had to know what his plan was. The next phrase where it says, set your minds on things that are above. That word, which is phronio, this is incredible. The, the, that whole phrase is, is summed up in a, in a Greek word and it, and it says this, to exercise the mind, that is, entertain or have sentiment or opinion by implication to be mentally disposed, which that word disposed is in, in, inclined or willing, to, to, to be mentally willing in a certain direction, intensively or interest oneself in. So to be willing and inclined to intensively interest yourself in God. Those words, just uh, they, they draw a, a picture and continue to draw a picture that it's a desire that we have to have and we have to always be willing to chase. So I was, I've, in, in this week when, when I've been looking at, at some of the stuff, some of the social media, I was starting to get, get frustrated and angry. And a lot of it has to do with, with the way that, that the world is going at the moment and the way that the world is looking. There's so much talk and hatred towards the fact that the Trump presidency is leading to the end of the world and from Christians as well. Now, whether you're a Trump supporter or not, where is your focus on that? You know, where, where is your focus if, if so often we are so afraid and so, so scared to continue on with our life because we feel like something bad is going to happen. And I, and I, I started thinking, I was in casino last night, um, the, the night before last with my mum and we were chatting and we, we, we were discussing politics, which is never a great uh, thing to get into, but it was where we were at and we had differing opinions on the whole situation. And I started thinking to myself, but what, what does it matter either way? How, how am I, as an Australian young adult, going to influence change anyway? What difference does it make? But then God started revealing to me that I have a plan and a purpose for you. And it may not be in that, but it's in something that will result in the movement forward of my kingdom. But how can I know that plan and that purpose if my focus isn't on Christ? So I started to, to have this almost um, upset time where I was thinking, oh my goodness, how much have I missed? God, how much have you been giving me a direction and giving me the tools to complete what you want me to do, but I haven't been listening or I haven't been able to watch and see what you're doing? And it's so amazing that we come into to worship this morning and, and, and the whole way that God moves worship is that we need to learn how to focus on Him. That 
all of us in this building and, and many others who are here today go to church every Sunday morning, most Sunday mornings. But we don't understand why we're there. We go home, we go through our week, we come back next Sunday and we, we do it again. Or we wake up in the morning and we go to work, but we're not really sure why we're at work. You know, every single person that's in this place, you have the opportunity to speak to somebody. You have the opportunity to change somebody's life, regardless of what you do. Whether you're a school student or a teacher or a businessman, it doesn't matter. God has a purpose and a plan. Your whole, the whole reason you're here. But how can you know what that is if you're not focused on who he is? Jess and I recently got married at the end of last year and we're, we're at, in a place at the moment where we're asking God to direct where we're to go. So we feel called to stay on the Gold Coast, but in what capacity and what does that look like? And one of the conversations that we've been having in, in Jess's search for a job and, and other things is that I refuse to be dictated by the world. So if God gives us the most amazing job and the most incredible income and he says, sorry, if, if the world offers the most amazing job and the most amazing income and God says don't take it, then we have to not take it. And not because that God is this dictating father and he's this, this dictator, but the fact that he's saying, I have a plan for you, just listen. I have a purpose for you, just listen. And the more we begin to seek, the more we begin to look, the more I feel like, man, we have to be spending time with God. We have to be pressing in to find out who He is because I need to know your heart so that I can go in the direction. You know, Moses said before he went, before he left Egypt, God always does this when I don't prepare it, so I don't know where it is, but it was before he left Egypt and God says to him to go. And Moses says, I will not go where your spirit doesn't come with me. I will not go where your spirit is not going to be. And see, Jesus was exactly the same way. Jesus would not go or do anything that he didn't hear his father say or do. But you see, us as Christians, we don't live like that. And we need to start living like that. Mal talked about the fact that we jump from church to church and we're looking for things that excite us and make us feel good. There is only one reason we should be looking for a new church. There's only one reason we should be looking for a new job. And that's because God is calling us out of that place and into the next place. Something that really upsets me is when guys leave churches because they've been, ups they've been hurt. And I know that's a, a rough thing to say. And I have, I have four older brothers who have all left the church because of that. But I just think if their focus was on Christ, they would still be in the church. Because the focus goes, God, where do you want me? And why do you want me there? Brad, um, I know he's told this story here before, but Brad talks about a time that he was in a church and the church hurt him and God told him to stay. And he said it was the hardest thing he ever did, but he stayed in that church. And you know, I think God honors that so much because he wasn't looking for himself to feel better he was looking to God as saying, where do you need me to be? What position do you need me in and, and how can I stay there? You see, when, when we begin to, quest, to ask God, do you want me there? 
we begin to do what he wants us to do. And as a church, we usher the kingdom in and we build the church. See, if, if, if you're living in, in one place and there's a job offer in another place that's worth more than you're on and God says to go because I have a job for you there, then go. But if he says to you, stay in that place that you're in because I have something incredible for you and it's not money, but you're going to change so many lives. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that the whole reason that we come to learn to grow so that we can teach others and to learn to grow? In Philippians 2, 2, it says, Then make my joy complete by being of one mind, having the same love, being united in spirit and purpose. That unification, that unity that he's talking about is with the Father. That that joy that we have, that, that excitement that we saw this morning, that whole, what you experienced this morning is a unification with the Father. The reason that we're able to have that in this place is because as a body, we invite God to come and to show himself. You can have that at home. But you have to be willing to say, God, come. Come and show me I want that joy. Make my joy complete by being of one mind. Having the same love, being united in spirit and in purpose. You see, that the Holy Spirit is always in us, but he's not always walking through us. We have to allow him to work through us. We have to invite him to move. I had a, um, I was at, I was in class at, at college, and um, we were talking about language and the way that we, we speak in the church. And someone said, as a church, we need to stop asking the Holy Spirit to come. And I said to the guy, why? And he said, because he already lives inside us. I said, sure, but then we all become dormant ponds. The Holy Spirit comes and rests in us, but we refuse to let him out into other people's lives. So when you're sitting at your desk at work, I'm not going to invite the Holy Spirit to come because he's already in you. Sure, but your workmates don't know that he's there. You see, there's a, there's a selfish, I've got it, so sweet. But God's actually asking us to commune with him and let the Holy Spirit flow out into our workplaces, into whatever it is that we're at. You know, it talks about being a, a river of living water. But we have to say to God, show me, show me where to give this. Show me how can I today let your spirit move through me into those who are around me. But if we're not communing with the Holy Spirit, we never learn how to actually allow the Holy Spirit to move through us. Go with me to Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This verse challenged me for a long time because why do I have to carry a cross if Christ already did? I never understood what, what this was saying until I was in the shower one day and God just went, boom, have this. And I got out and was writing it down. <laughs> the way I was like this. That's where God speaks to me. It's odd. It's really, really odd. You'll find God speaks to you in the most odd times, I think. But I believe what he was saying here is, is 
the mission that the Father gave to Christ was what? To reveal the Father how? Through a reconnection of man and God. Right? So he came to reveal the Father's heart by reconnecting man with God, which was lost at the fall. And the way that he did that was through the cross. Okay? So the cross was his mission. God had given... There was a a purpose, but the way he was to complete it was was with the cross. So when it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, the cross is representing your mission. What God has asked you to come and do. Right? So we have this duty from God to lay down ourselves, to pick up our mission and to do what he's asked us to do. How do we know what the mission is? We have to commune with God. We have to commune with God to find out what our mission is. When Christ was on his knees in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, how did he want to give it up if he didn't know what it was? So he wants to give something up. God, take it from me because he, God was revealing it to him bit by bit. He didn't know the whole picture. He couldn't have. Otherwise, he would have just said, yep, cool, I know what's happening, so I don't need to take it. God was revealing it to him as he was walking. So as we go, God reveals our mission day after day after day, season after season after season. We can't just go, sit down, have a pray. God downloads it all to us. We get up and go and do it. We have to constantly be communing with God because that's where our mission comes from. So when we learn how to deny ourselves and pick up what he's asking us, A, he teaches us how to deny ourselves through our communication with him because it's a tough thing to deny yourself in every single thing. But he also continues to show us our mission and he shows us how to complete it. You see, the moment we lose our focus, the moment we lose what God's showing us, we lose how to deny ourselves, we lose how to pick up our mission and we lose what we're here to do. So we need to. It is so, so important. I want to look at two more things and then we'll, and, and then I'll finish. The, the first thing is I want to look at repentance because I think in the Western church we miss it and I think what repentance is actually talking about is, is this focus with God. You see, repentance is mentioned 37 times in the Bible and it's, it's a word in Greek which is metanio. But the word literally means to think differently. So we see repentance as we've grown up knowing it to go and say sorry to God, to grovel, to to try and get him to change the way we're doing it. But the repentance that we have to understand is actually to shift our mind, to change our focus. So when we learn how to repent properly, we learn that we never have to do those things again because we change our mind. How often are you caught in something that you do, whatever it is? Whatever it is, whether it's drugs or alcohol or, or a porn addiction or swearing or whatever it is, how often do we go to God and we apologize and the next day we do it again? Oh, I've got to start again. Back to God, apologize, we do it again. The reason that we are continually caught in that habitual sin is because we actually haven't changed our mind. We've never actually taken our focus and gone, well, I, it's over here when it needs to be over here. Or it's just a little bit off and it needs to be over here. We have to learn as a body of Christ how to change our minds. And the whole reason that we ask people 
to come and preach is to help you understand how to change your mind. That's, what, that's why Jesus preached the whole time. That's why we're here. So if someone is preaching from this pulpit and you take nothing away, you've wasted your time. We've got to learn how to take what people are saying and go, actually, I can apply that to my life and apply it. Because we learn then how to change our focus back onto what Christ is pointing us in the direction of. So the next time you go to repent, I want, I want to challenge you with something. Ask God to change your focus. Ask God to change your heart. And if the next day you do it again, Father, change my heart. And begin putting things in place that help you change that place. Don't buy the six-pack. Delete the app off your phone. Don't go into the casino. Start to put things in place that are changing your focus. When we can learn to do that, we will become a people who start doing what God wants us to do. Imagine if all of us here knew exactly what God called us to do and we were all on fire chipping that away. The church starts growing rapidly. The kingdom starts coming in workplaces in, and that's where we are. So we've just got to learn how to get there. The final thing I want to talk about The final thing I want to talk about is something that Jesus said. And again, it bamboozled me. So let me just paint the picture. The disciples are sitting around. They're there in the flesh with Christ. They understand who he is. They understand what he's there to do. And Jesus says to them, I have to go, and it's better that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. To me, that would be baffling. Imagine Jesus is standing here teaching everyone now, and he says, Sorry, guys, it's better that I leave and I'll send you the Spirit. The emphasis that that puts on the Holy Spirit is massive. That Jesus said it's better that the Spirit's here than me in the flesh because he has so much to show you. So the how on all of this is the Holy Spirit. We spend time with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will reveal, the, will reveal Jesus. And who does Jesus reveal? You see, it, it works in a constant line that they reveal each other. So when we learn how to spend time in the Spirit, and let me tell you one thing that I found out in college that is not preached very often. The Spirit will move differently in every single one of us. This morning we heard guys laughing, we heard guys yelling out, and there were people who were just sitting. The Spirit is moving just as much in each one of them. There is no mold that you have to fit, but learn how to commune with the Holy Spirit. And I believe, may not everybody else, but I believe that I can't teach you that. Mal and Edith can't teach you that. The Holy Spirit can. The only person who can teach you that. So if you're sitting there going, yeah, but how do I even start? Take your Bible, close the door, and say, God, come and show me. You know, so often I will sit down to read my Bible, and I won't read a thing. And sometimes I'll go to pray, and I'll read the Bible. Because there's a, a posture that we take where we say, God, move now in me, however, whatever that looks like. 
when I, when the Holy Spirit comes on me, I cry. And I wish that I didn't because sometimes I can't help it. And I just cry and cry and cry. And for so long I was like, let me yell or something. Let me fall over or let me dance or something. But I can't decide how the Holy Spirit... And you know, when I, when, when I finish crying, I feel so refreshed. Now, that's not the way that it's going to look for everybody. But it's important that we begin to learn how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Because from that place, we learn what the focus of God is. Do you guys want to come and just play that song? If, if you got nothing out of today, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't understand what this whole worship thing was about. I don't understand what that guy was talking about. I want you to focus on one thing. We will get nowhere in this life if we don't know the plan of God. And we can never learn the plan of God without focusing on who He is. That in that conversation that we start to have with God, in that place that we are with God, we learn where He wants us to be and what He wants us to do. So I challenge you, if, if you've never ever spoken to God, if, if you do all the time, whatever it is, I want us to take just a couple of minutes while you guys play a song. If you don't want to sing, you don't have to sing. Maybe they don't want to sing either, and that's fine. Just spend time focusing on God. And then I want to take it one step further. And during the week, it doesn't matter how long it's for, it doesn't matter how you do it. Say to God, God, come and speak to me. When we put ourselves in that place, when we're willing, God will come. And it'll be different. It's not going to be what you see here. It may not be what you've ever seen before. Or it may be. But it's important that we begin to focus on God. Because trust me, when we begin to focus on God in everything, our relationships, our workplace, our finances, when we focus on God in all of those areas, God will reveal to us what He wants us to do. He will show you where that job is. He will show you the town to move to. He will show you to stay and He'll show you how to stay. But the point that we need to get is it's all about Him. It's always been about Him. And our focus needs to be on Him all of the time. So Father, we just thank You, God. Father, we just come to You right now in this place that we're in, Father. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and reveal yourself. God, whatever that looks like, Father. Whatever pain or suffering there is here today, God, I pray that you come and show yourself, Lord. The breakthrough that needs to come, Father, that you show that breakthrough right now, Father. Father, we just take ourselves, Lord. We take our focus off whatever it's on, Lord, and we place it onto you, God. And we ask you to do whatever it is that your plan is. Whatever your purpose, Father, we give ourselves now for you to take control and to lead however you want to lead, Father. We just thank you so much, God.